0: Hello to everybody who thrives in chaos. It's beautiful out. one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one.
1: I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me.
0: Hi, everybody. Chris Gathered here welcome to another episode of beautiful anonymous I gotta say we've had some tough episodes lately and we've had some really fun episodes lately right you got the pirate you got the groundhog dead guy you also have our our last week's episode about murder and the recent episode following up with uh, one of our motor city mayhem boys about about something just really really horrific that he lived through and I just gotta say it's been a seesaw I thank everybody who's been checking out the shows and and exploring all corners of life in that way. And uh, last week's call, there was a really great level of discussion in the Facebook group. A lot of people pointing out that I probably should have stressed harder about the omnipresence of violence against women. It's totally true. I gotta tell you, I felt like there were so many trigger warnings that it was, it was almost hard to underline all of them as hard as they deserved. It's no excuse. Uh, we discussed it a lot in such a civil way. And a bit. I'll tell you something big happened here. And hey, Tanya from Motor City Mayhem, if you're listening, you're going to be amazed by this. My mom, Sally, told me that she, uh, she's she been catching up on the show and she listened to the follow-up. And for the first time ever, she said she heard that caller say, sorry, Sally, after saying the F word. And she sat there and out loud went, no, 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 no. You're allowed to say it. You're allowed to say it. That is a first in the many years of doing this show. So that's a huge development. Thanks everybody who's been supporting this show over the years. Honest to God, it means the world to me. This week's episode, here's, here's how long we've been doing this show and here's how crazy the world is. We have another person who became a grandma at the age of 39. Another 39-year-old 39 grandma. Who would have think that we'd ever stumble into this? We talk about that. We also talk about the real estate industry and its inner workings. We talk about helping to uh, navigate schooling from home during the pandemic. We talk about caring for one's elders, one's parents as they face the late stages of life. It, it I think it's kind of really amazing in an old school way where we bounce from some stuff that's funny to some stuff that's just interesting to some stuff that's really emotional. Uh, I thank the caller for all the vulnerability and honesty and info and I hope you enjoy it.
1: Thank you for calling beautiful anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? How are you? I'm doing okay. I think. How about you? I'm pretty
0: good. I, uh, I had a late night and an early morning. That's my biggest complaint. And then it's the day mm. it's the day before Thanksgiving, so I went to the supermarket at eight AM to try to make sure it wasn't full of people coughing and breathing. <laughs> so that's How where did I'm that
1: at. work out? I bet not so good, right?
0: Um it was all right actually. It was it was not too crowded. Everybody was being smart and safe and wearing masks and avoiding each other, so I did appreciate it. Um but yeah, my uh good. Cal started screaming around 6 a.m. this morning, and uh, mm. that's not ideal. That's not ideal.
1: <laughs> very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do we get started on this thing?
0: I think I just ask you what your deal is, and then you start rambling. That's how it usually goes. Okay. How All right. are you? What's your deal?
1: Oh, gosh. So my deal, I have lots of deals. Um, My current deal is um, in the last several months, I have completely changed my whole life. Um, I was in real estate for a very long time um, in a pretty high powered position. And um, I decided to leave that position to stay at my house and do distance learning with my seven year old grandson wow so <clears throat> there's a lot of that um, that was a huge you know change in and of itself um and then at the same time um, my mother was diagnosed with stage four cancer
0: oh, I'm so sorry
1: and so, thank you thank you um so I have been um dealing with that, I'm going to be leaving in a couple of weeks for an extended visit down to where she lives um, for probably a couple of months, I'm hoping, um, so that I can spend time and be with her. So that's been kind of an interesting you know, thing. Um, my mom is a super strong, very independent person and always has been. And so... This is um, a challenge for her, you know, having to to give things up and, and recognizing that she can't do as much as she used to, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. have um, – so you have a seven-year-old grandson. And yes. your, your mom is still alive. So e- even though things are so rough right now, I'm always so impressed when I hear about a family where – a great grandkid gets to know their great grandparent. I always, I always think that's True. a, lo- I always think that's a lovely thing.
1: It is. Um, you know, I barely knew my grandparents growing up, um, and so for for them to have um, this time is, is really precious. Um, and you know, it, it also speaks to, I think, uh, mostly my child having children early. <laughs> um, you know, he, he started having his babies, uh, right out of high school. Oh, wow. So, um, that made me kind of a young grandma. I was 39 the first time I became a grandma. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, do you know we have an episode called 39-Year-Old Grandma with another 39-Year-Old Grandma? Uh,
1: oh, yep. I have totally listened to it, and she is a hoot. I loved her. Oh, my goodness. We got to yeah, get... Yeah, I was uh, just... We're going to get you <laughs> get two on the together. phone together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was two weeks before my 40th birthday that my first grandchild was born.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, and and was this... Was your son in a relationship where that was the plan, or was it something that he stumbled into?
1: Um, well, I think honestly that they planned it uh they were young uh he had been in a relationship with um my grandson's mother for about two years uh when they were in high school and um and i I believe that he convinced her that having a baby was the way to seal the deal mm, um, mm. It didn't seal the deal they didn't you know they didn't even make it through the pregnancy. Um, but yeah, so he, uh, he started early. They, he convinced her, I believe that this was the the right thing to do and off they went. So
0: that's a life lesson for anybody. Any of our young listeners out there, if you're thinking, Hey, you know, what will really lock this in as Mm -hmm. a baby? Uh, if it's if it's not if it's not locked in already, a baby's going to make things harder. I would imagine having recently,
1: absolutely,
0: ha, be, coming up on two years of my first baby, it was really difficult having a having a baby at the age of thirty nine. And then, as I say that, I realize I had my first child at thirty nine. You had your first grandchild at thirty nine. Everything's <laughs> looping around in this strange karmic ways right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I was 21 when I had my child. So Mm -hmm. um, I was a little older, but I was far more responsible, you know, at that age than than he was when he was 18. Um, You know, and then he continued. He had two more children in quick succession after that.
0: Wow. And is the seven-year-old the the oldest one?
1: Yes. So I have a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. This this son of
0: yours is not messing around. He's on a mission.
1: <laughs> well, thankfully, I think the mission ended four years ago because uh-huh. there have been no babies since. So uh, I don't know if that has to do with the women that he's with, or um, or if he's learned his lesson. But uh, yeah, he he ran out of the gate like a racehorse.
0: Yeah, a, and uh, he trying got to be like, pretty quick. Is he trying to be Genghis Khan? You ever hear that? How like. There's like a, t- a tenth of the world's population has DNA rooting back to Genghis Khan because he he went yeah. s- so hard in life having the babies. And, I mean, and also, mm-hmm. I, I'm not here trying to give props to Genghis Khan. Okay, I understand that. Right. I understand the nature of his of his ways on this topic, but I, I thought it was a a good joke to say about your son, and then I immediately realized that I had to bail bail and apologize. <laughs> so you when yeah. you you said you're now doing the distance learning with your grandson, and that you were in a high powered position in real estate. Was this
1: mm-hmm.
0: had you already left real estate, or was it? No, you know, things are hitting the fan. I got to go help the family and was, I'm out.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much things are hitting the fan. Um, you know, in the town that I live in, um, they've they've enacted a lot of laws in the last couple of years that make it very unfavorable. Um, for the industry that I'm in, so there was always kind of something in the back of my mind like okay i 'm still young enough that I could change a career if I wanted to right now, you know, without probably experiencing a bunch of you know uh, ageism or something like that trying to get into a new industry. Um, but you know, just a couple of weeks before school was supposed to begin, um, you know, I was talking to his other grandma and trying to figure out what was going on with his school, and they didn't have anybody to help him and they started distance learning where i live back in march um and he, it was miserable for my grandson for the spring um he he really didn't learn anything he struggles to learn at home you know there's just so many distractions and that's your comfort place and and you know being taught by mom was was a challenge too um, and so I just said, okay, here, here's my chance, you know, I will, uh, I'll leave my job. I'll do something good for him, uh, which was my main concern. You know, I was just so afraid as I am for so many kids right now who are doing distance learning at home, you know, that this is not, um, this is, this is hard for so many of them. You know, um, mm-hmm. and when you don't have someone at home that can focus on the child and keep them on track, it's, you know, it's setting so many kids up for for a hard time, you know, definitely a hard time. I mean, I know when I first started with this distance learning in, in September, in the first couple of weeks, I thought that um, we should maybe send him back to the, to the first grade.
0: So there was the option um,
1: because he, yeah, well, I don't know if there was the option. I was talking to his mom about it just because, you know, the learning that, that took place last year, you know, first of all, it had been six months since he'd really learned oh, anything. So you're so not from March to August.
0: So you're not saying send him back to the school in person. You're saying send him back a year curriculum wise. Yes. Got it. Right. Got it.
1: Right. Wow. So um, I am happy to report, though, that we just had our first parent-teacher conferences and got his uh, report card. And he is right where he needs to be for second grade, for God. learning and math. And so I, it is yet another part of the universe that's telling me I'm doing the right thing. That's I'm right great. where I need to be.
0: That's great. And it, yeah, if you were in a high-powered position, had you... Uh had you built up a little nest egg or is it something where you go, we're going to get through this pandemic? I did. Oh, that's good. So are you like. I did.
1: I built up a small nest egg. Yep. Yeah. And then, and then I just said, you know, I I'll, uh, I'll live off of that. You know, I talked with my partner and, and he was fine with it. um, And, you know, I just, the benefits are, are far outweighing any sort of negative, you know what I mean?
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And are you going to go back someday when all this is over or is it early retirement or I got to find a new track in life?
1: Uh, Well, I will, yeah, I will go back to work. Uh, I just won't be in real estate anymore. So I am, uh, a lot of my job also led me into the human resources arena um, throughout Mm -hmm. the years. And so I think that might be where I'm gonna focus now. You know, I'll get a get a little certificate so I don't have to go back to college and uh and then start all new.
0: I love it. a little certificate. That's good. New start. Now listen, you're out of the game. I mean, we have so much to talk about. You've brought up a number of things already yeah. that are like, oh, there's so much life to explore here. But before we get into anything else that's like emotional, now that you're out of the game. Can you spill the, I got some questions about the real estate industry. Are you willing to spill a little tea on this one?
1: Okay. (laughs) Let's go.
0: So I'm thinking, I'm sitting here, what's the, what's the standard broker's fee? Remind me of this.
1: Uh, Well, I think it depends on the area that you live in. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm on the West Coast and it's uh, right around 5%.
0: Right around 5%. Now I'm horrific at math. So this means, mm-hmm. and is that both buying and selling? If you're the buyer's and seller's agent, 5% either way? Yes. Okay, so.
1: Now, sometimes if you're both, if you're the buyer and the seller agent, so it's your listing, yeah. then you you should cut your fee down.
0: Right, right, of course. Yeah. So wait, so let's say, again, different areas, different real estate prices, Got it, but I'm just going to pick a number that's easy math-wise for me. So let's say you sell a five hundred thousand dollar house. This means that the broker who facilitated the sale is getting twenty five grand. Yeah, and this means, okay, again. So if I'm doing my math, so uh, so if you sell one house a month, you're making three hundred grand on the year. Am I doing the yeah, math? Yeah, that, that right? sounds
1: right. Yeah. But you've got to be, be selling five hundred thousand dollar houses.
0: Sure. Sure. But you know, in-
1: most places or a lot of places are not five hundred thousand dollars. Yes. You're looking at I mean, I would say the median here is probably closer to five hundred thousand.
0: Yeah. I also my experience is in like the New York metro area real estate market where Mm. you look you go on Zillow, look up a one bedroom apartment in Queens, not even Brooklyn or Manhattan. And it's we're talking three, four hundred thousand dollars for a one bedroom co op. You gotta deal with a co op board. And then the co op board might not let you move (laughs) during a plague when you have a one year old. Yeah. You pay four hundred grand. For terrible, that.
1: terrible people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, they were all nice. They were all nice, and then at the end, we were like, "No, there's a plague. We have to go." Anyway, I've told that story <laughs> before. So, so if you're if you're talented at being a broker, and and reputation spreads that you're good, mm-hmm. and then you can come mm-hmm. up with a workload that allows you to give it your all and really give those clients the service they want. Smile. Yeah. You only need to succeed at your stated goal once a month to do pretty well. Because also if you're in a market, I would imagine if you're in a market with real estate that costs less than that, it also means that the cost of living is less than a $500,000 real estate market. So you're still doing pretty good.
1: Right. Yeah. Man.
0: Man. And how yeah, many,
1: real estate is lucrative. And it's when you when you get into that point where, you know, you do make a name and so all of your clients that are coming to you are referrals. Um, you know, you don't have to market yourself anymore. So things just yeah. walk in the door, and then you just have to handle it from that point. And when you've got the customer service and things like that, then it makes all the difference in the world.
0: So when I see, like, you know, you drive around a neighborhood where you see you realize like you'll see like I remember in Jersey, it was always white shirt, realers, realtors, white shirt, white shirt, white shirt. I mm-hmm. don't know how, you, and then you'd see, it would be like, white oh, And then you'd be like every listing. I don't remember the actual names, but you'd just go on these streaks where it would be like, oh man, like, uh, you know, like David, you know, David Sanders everywhere. Every block I go down, every house is this guy, David said, this guy's mm-hmm. having a mm-hmm. hot, this guy's having a good year. So, it, oh my God. That's a good racket.
1: Uh, and then people do, like you like you said, they focus on neighborhoods, right? Yeah. And so then, you know, you bring good neighbors to somebody else and then yeah. they think about you and they're going to sell their house in a couple of years.
0: Ah, oh, this racket. I wish I was involved in a racket. I guess comedy's kind of a yeah. racket, but real estate's a racket. Yeah. You can have like, like in baseball, you have a 300- Batting average—you fail seven seven out of ten times, and you're having a great season. Real estate—you can have an even lower batting average, huh? Hmm.
1: Yeah, you can. That's a you racket. Can. The only thing is, is that if you're—if I mean, you need to be sure that, especially when you're starting out, that you have, you know, something to fall back on, whether that's another income or a dual household income, something because. Right. Um, you know, it is all commission based and you yeah. don't start out, out of the gate in most markets, you know, making a hundred thousand plus a year.
0: Yeah. You're a hustler. Yeah. And do you have to pay, like if yeah. you're working under the banner of a Coldwell or a Weikert or a, uh, a, Ber- mm-hmm. a Berkshire Hathaway, I mean, you're not, a, you're not an entry level agent yeah. at Berkshire Hathaway, right? There's, they're scooping you up no. after you cut your teeth at Weikert. No offense to Weikert. Right. Right? <laughs> right? Sotheby's. Sotheby's is not an entry-level job. <laughs> You've already done the Coldwell thing yes. when you're at Sotheby's. But exactly. So you're, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's a racket. Hustlers. But then when you lock it in. Anyway, yep. I find it very fascinating. I find it very fascinating. I just yesterday saw my
1: realtor. I did, too, for about...
0: Oh, yeah. No, 25 you
1: say, years. I said I did too for about 25 years.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you I, saw your
1: broker yesterday?
0: He was giving out Thanksgiving pies to all his clients. And I said, Yeah, I'll take a pie. Yeah. <laughs> I had my I wife did. laughing. I'm going to say his name because I, I, I actually, he, like, I, we clicked hard and we've really liked him. Like, we were like, This guy's legit just a cool guy. And he was like, Nice. In, like, he, uh, He's just a good guy, and he was really good to my son. And, and But he has a very specific name. And if you're in North Jersey, hey, I'm going to give him a plug. There's this guy, Xander Oldendorp, which is such a specific name. And uh, his family runs like a real estate group, and he helped us out immensely. And He was really patient, kind with us, so I don't mind saying this guy's name. Mm-hmm. I think he would love if he finds out I plugged him. But I had this plan. I was, oh, yeah. I was making my wife laugh so hard because I was like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pull up to the curb where he's giving away these pies. And I'm going to roll down the window. And before he can even say hello, I'm just going to go, give me the pie, olden and dorp. And then I'm going to grab the pie and I'm going to peel out. <laughs> and my wife was like, you have to do that. And I was like, I don't know. I'm going to feel so bad. He's never going to speak to us again. She's like, it's so funny, though. I was like, I don't know, I've got the balls to do that. And then we pulled up and I altered it. Instead of give me the pie, I go, I'm here for my pie, Oldendorp. And just no one heard me. He didn't hear me. My wife didn't hear. When we shut the window, we talked to them for like 15 minutes. And then when we went to drive away, I was like, I said it. He didn't hear it. My wife was like, you did? I was like, I shouted, I'm here for my pie, Oldendorp. And no one reacted. I felt like an asshole. (laughs) Give me my pie, Oldendorp. (laughs) Get out of there. (laughs) that's when the high-end places will do that right the high-end places will go hey come swing by thanksgiving we'll
1: give you a pie oh absolutely and then even when you move in you know they need to give you gifts when you move in there should be stuff waiting for you at your house they said they
0: told us to set to let them know and on our first night they would send like a a good dinner and i bet it was going to be awesome but then it took a you know our whole move because of the covid co-op board combo got delayed by like two two mm-hmm. two and a half months and we were like just get us in the house you know so we didn't we didn't yeah i should call him up and be like oldendorp you never gave me i want my, my dinner din- i want my dinner and you know what it's, yeah it's six months in oldendorp i want a creme brulee at the end now I don't care, (laughs) olden dorp. If you're gonna make me wait six months on my dinner, olden dorp, I'm getting dessert too and a (laughs) nap and a nap. I want a burrata and a creme brulee, olden dorp.
1: Yeah, yeah. Creme brulee is my favorite dessert. Absolute favorite.
0: Mine too. Mine too. Part Mm. of why I knew I needed to move out of New York was there was a bakery in my neighborhood. And I once bought a creme mm-hmm. brulee from it and ate the creme brulee while I was walking home. And I was like, oh, th- I'm turning into a monster. And there's too much <laughs> There's too much good food available just on every block in New York City because I can't be just casually eating creme brulee. That's a special treat mm, for once in a yeah. blue moon. Can't just be like exactly. tr- treating a creme brulee like a cliff bar you grab at a deli when you don't have time for lunch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't cheapen the creme brulee, Chris. Don't cheapen it. Yeah,
0: and don't, don't, don't. I just felt, I like threw, I finished it on the corner and threw it in the garbage can because I don't want my wife to know I ate a creme brulee as a (laughs) grab-and-go item. And I'm like, if you're hiding your creme brulee consumption from your wife, it's time to change some things. So we moved to Jersey. Indeed. I got to pause there. I can't tell you how real a feeling that was. This is not. This this is not even a joke. It's just a real feeling where I went. Time to go. Time to go. New York City, I love you. Time to go. Anyway, it's time for us to go as well because we got some ads. We'll be right back. Thanks to our advertisers who help us bring the show to the world. Now let's get back to the phone call. And I'm like, if you're hiding your creme brulee consumption from your wife, it's time to change some things. So we moved to Jersey. Indeed, indeed. Now, <laughs> listen. We've had our laughs. You've given me some uh, inside looks at the real estate. We've talked about being a mm-hmm. young grandma, which we've talked about on the show before, but you've broken it down on your end. Yeah. Now, you're gonna. It sounds like you. If I remember right, you said you're going to go be with your mom. She's dealing with this. Uh, yeah. With this severe bout of cancer, so you're going to stop helping with the remote teaching with your grandson. I'm sure that must be nerve wracking as you see that it's led to improvement, let alone how nerve wracking it is yeah. to walk into seeing your parent struggling with such a, a heavy thing.
1: Yeah, it was it was a really hard decision for me to make to leave for an extended period because teaching him is so important to me. Um, and it was funny, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone and she goes, why are you even worried about this? He's going to be fine. It's six, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. This is it. This is all you have with your mom. And it just clicked for me. And I thought, yep, you're absolutely right. I don't know why I've been fretting so hard about this. So I had made a trip to see my mom um, in late October and she was diagnosed in uh, late September. So a month later, um, and I was there for five days and, um, she had already gotten quite weak. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, it's, it's been hard. And, and since leaving there, you know, I have to FaceTime her now every day so I can see her face and, you know, talk to her. So it's, it's going to be a big deal in a couple of weeks going down there for so long. And
0: I'll ask a sensitive question have the have the doctors said if this is a, a terminal situation in their view?
1: Yes. Wow, I'm yeah. so, so my sorry. mom is actually. Thank you, thank you. Some minutes it's harder than others. Like I spent most of yuck crying, and and right now I feel kind of settled about it. Um, but that'll probably change later this afternoon, but by the time, so my mom has actually had a couple of bouts with cancer in her life. So this is not her first rodeo, um, you know, back, gosh, close to 30, a little more than 30 years ago, she had breast cancer. And then, um, within 10 years of that, she had lung cancer and my mom has been super healthy, um, as an older adult. So, um, you know, she would exercise, she did like the, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg workout. She had a trainer at the gym, so she would go to the gym four or five days a week, and she was eating really well. She's she was a a vegetarian, vegan. Um, I know those aren't the same, but it depended on the day (laughs) with her. But very much a plant-based diet. You know, Um, they say when you get older, it's it's great. You know, for aging, when you have a social network and things like that. And so she had built all of that, and it just. I don't know. It was just so shocking, kind of out of the blue. Um, and there's another another kind of aspect to this that I'm kind of curious to see how will play out, especially specifically for me, in that I was nine years old when my dad died of leukemia. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, for a lot of years after that, I was always afraid that my mom was going to die. But I haven't been afraid of that for a long, long time, you know, probably 25 years or so. And it was almost like it wasn't ever going to happen. I mean, I didn't really consider it, you know, until now. So um, that's another mental aspect, at least for me.
0: You know what I just pieced together as well, mathematically, Mm -hmm. is I'm sitting here going... Well, your mom is a great grandmother, and that's a nice long life. And I'm sure there's truth to that. But I also am sitting Mm -hmm. here going, Well, you were, you became a grandma when you were 39, your grandson's seven, so you're only 46? Yeah,
1: 47. That's,
0: yeah, that's, it's, that is, it's not the situation I envisioned in my, you know, you hear that a great grandma, is in this situation, okay. you think, oh, that's someone who's had a really long life, and like I said, I'm sure a long, productive life full of beautiful things. But then I'm going, mm-hmm. oh, 46 can be relatively young to lose a parent still, and and I just, yeah, I just piece that together that the impact of that is uh, is different than what I had in my head based on what we discussed earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've still got a lot of life to live without without a parent. And then with that, I have two sisters and a brother also who are kind of going through this. And um, if you want, we can get into all the messy family dynamics or we don't have to.
0: <laughs> That's up to you. I mean, obviously, it's quite the tease, but whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah.
1: Well, you know I mean families are are families you don 't get to choose who's in your family, and um, we have kind of an interesting dynamic, at least sibling wise so i 'm the oldest, um, and my brother is the youngest, and then between us are my two sisters who are identical twins mm-hmm. So I live far away. <clears throat> Uh, my two sisters live about two hours from my mom. My brother's about three hours away. Myself and one of my sisters are the only ones who have even been in, on speaking terms with my mom for four-plus years. My other sister hasn't spoken to my mom since 2016, and my brother and my mom haven't spoken in probably close to 10 years. Wow. Wow. And so things, yeah. So things are a little complicated there. Um, it's, you know, family dynamics. We've all kind of gone through periods and I say we all, my sisters and my brother and myself, uh, with my mom, where we have had periods of time where we go without speaking to each other for whatever reason, you know, we all think we have valid reasons. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. Um, my my long period of time not speaking to my mom ended when I was in my mid-20s. Um, and since then, I have had an amazing relationship with my mom. I love her. She's one of my best friends. Um, but prior to that, she was definitely not a, a friend of mine. Uh, we, we butted heads the whole time I was a teenager and into my 20s. Um, so that's one thing that I'm super grateful for is that I have had these last you know, 20 plus years where there has been no fighting or arguing and I can just love her and know her as a person, you know, and vice versa for her. So, yeah. So I'm trying to navigate like with my sister and my brother, you know, do they want to talk to my mom? Do they want to see my mom? Does my mom want to talk to them? What does this kind of look like? So it's tough because my sister is feeling incredibly remorseful and wants to see my mom and talk to her, uh, but my brother is not. He has no remorse, and that's tough to deal with.
0: Yeah, and I bet yeah. for you to have to kind of be the point person between all those, between that that's like a tangled web for you to have to...
1: A little bit. I mean, my mom hasn't asked me to, you know, kind of be the go between. I feel like I'm because they all live there in the same state and they visit each other more frequently. I'm kind of out here by myself. so I kind of feel like I'm coming in trying to massage the situation a little bit. I mean, the bottom line is whatever my mom wants is what I'm going to try to make happen for her. Um, but she made me her medical spokesperson, you know, so that involves talking to them about what the doctors say and you know, how she's doing and different things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so shocking, you know, how we can all grow up in the same household and have such different experiences and have it kind of, end up differently. You know, I mean we're all adults now. We're not kids anymore. And so I mean, I know as an adult I had to do a lot of work myself on on different traumas in my life and of course dealing with my mom and my family and stuff like that. But I'm an adult now and I've done that work and so I can accept and see, you know, I can I can accept that my mom was not a perfect person, that she had her traumas and situations growing up that you know, created who she is and how she acts or reacts to things. And just like she has raised us in a certain way, you know, and so I can kind of forgive that or forgive those kinds of things or accept those parts of her, um, you know, that aren't the best. Just because I have that maturity and it just doesn't seem like my brother does, which is so unfortunate.
0: Right. I also have to wonder, because you would, you would hope that your brother could find it in himself, especially right now um, there is also you know you've you've kind of indicated this but if if three of your four siblings have had um, stretches like this, it sounds like your mom maybe has some has been a little bit of a a tumultuous person over the years you'd have to you'd have to imagine
1: mhm so tumultuous I wouldn't say in terms so when I think of tumultuous, I think of like you know. Uh, yelling and screaming and, you know, even potential violence. And I wouldn't say that that's the case at all. Um, But my mom was, was, she's, it's very easy for her to shut off her relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that's a protection mechanism for her that she, she had to have growing up. Um, And I've, I've gotten some of that from her um it is very easy at times for me to just say i'm done and that's it and i would never you know speak to you again um and that's that's more just it's yeah it's just pr- a protection mechanism more than anything
0: wow what a bad spot to be in what a bad spot yeah, to be in
1: it's, it's hard and you know i just feel i feel so sad because I I really believe later on in life, he's going to regret it. He's really going to regret it. You know, I mean, he was, he was four when my dad died, so he doesn't have any real memory of my dad. He's kind of a non-entity to him. So, you know, this is really the only parent that he knows and to have negative feelings and not, you know, want to see her or talk to her. um, Yeah. I just, I'm sure he's going to regret it. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. And when you, you know, I, I also just have to say too, and I'm sure it's been so hard to think about, but but just to get this on record,
1: mm-hmm.
0: for any uh, y- y- for any family right now, you know, people pass on, and it's yeah. it's always tragic, but my heart really does bleed at the thought of people passing on in a year when there's isolation is required and and mm-hmm. you are disconnected from your friend groups and your support systems and it's just uh you know you live your whole life and then to to, to pass on during a year where there's all that strain let alone i have to imagine to pass on during a year where a lot of people are saying it's the worst year they've ever seen or lived through. It's just, uh, I I know Mm -hmm. that I'm just reiterating a bummer that you've probably already had to be immensely bummed out about, which I apologize, but I want you to know, like, I just say it to say it, it, it it makes my, I think it's, it's just, it just makes my heart bleed every time you hear about it.
1: Yeah, it's, I think that we are as fortunate as we can be in this situation because I know that there are people out there with COVID, not you know dying of COVID, but because of COVID, they can't be around their family members, um, you know, and you can't have a funeral and different things like that. Uh, my sister has, um, has quite a large house, and in a couple of weeks um, after I get over there, we're going to be moving my mom over there. Um, so that's, it's in a totally different town. It's in, my sister lives out in the country. My mom lives in a metropolitan city. So that's going to be a big thing for her. I feel like we're very, very fortunate in that, um, my sister has the space, um, and the availability as well as myself to be there with her, um, you know, so that we can have that time with her before we, before she goes. You know, I think we're in, in such a fortunate situation. I can't, you know, imagine that, I mean, my heart just breaks for the people who who may be going through something like this and can't be near their loved one. You know, my mom has opted to do hospice, so I don't have to worry about hospitals or any of those kinds of regulations. Um, so it'll be as good as we can possibly have, I believe, for, for the situation.
0: And is your mom
1: at peace? Absolutely. That's good. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you say that because that's something that I've been noticing that's kind of coming over her face in these last couple of conversations is this kind of, it's almost like, because she's been having to do a lot of work um, around moving in terms of switching her insurance and research and different things like that. Um, but seeing seeing her with a purpose again um has brought some some life back to her uh, that was that was fading quicker um but she has when you look at her face it's kind of like she has a a glow about her um and i you know i don't i've never I've never seen anybody with cancer glow um she's not doing chemo or radiation or anything like that so um that can't be it. But I feel like she's just finally, as things are getting settled, you know, she's really starting to be more peaceful within herself. And I feel like that's coming, coming out in, in her face and the way that she looks. Um, and that's good to see. That's it's good to see
0: it, it in the midst of something that's, that is uh, the uh, you know just horrible. That that's a beautiful thought to hear about that. And I have to mm-hmm. i have to wonder too. You mentioned that after your dad passed, you had a lot of, you know, you had a specific and and relationship with the idea of death, and you indicated mm-hmm. that it maybe caused some panic. I wonder, as you see the situation unfold, is it is it pushing those. Buttons is it bringing them to the surface, or is it introducing new things that might be, um, you know, developing a new mindset? I wonder.
1: Well, that's a great question, actually, um, because I have had several moments of panic. Um, my trip that I'm making in two weeks, I was supposed to make at mid-December, um, and I have moved it up and moved it up uh, due to panic. Um, you know, I, I um, had my partner's grandmother died of this very same cancer, and I know that you can be, you know, you can be relatively okay um, in terms of functioning and and all of those things. And then in one month, you can go from being relatively okay to to actually dying. And so that's where my panic comes in is that I'm not there, and in two weeks, she could be so much more sick than what she is right now. Now there's no indication, nobody's saying that she's getting sicker or the time is near, you know, in two weeks, but I just get that panic and I feel like it's because I'm far away um, and I can't do anything. So that's where that trip down there is going to really, I think, help with that panic piece and hopefully help me be able to focus more on her and her happiness.
0: I I've been thinking a lot. I've been noticing this in myself. And I don't know where it comes from. Because, I mean, when I was a kid, I was so scared of the idea of dying. And anytime someone, you know, in my family died, or, you know, in my neighborhood died, it created real fear in me. And I also think I'm the last age, I really am, I think, the very tail end of an age where we were told on a regular basis that Russians were probably going to drop nuclear bombs and there was this, (laughs) I think it is true that I think, I think people even four or five years younger than me, maybe even less than that. Don't remember that there were generations of us raised where, where it was literally drilled into our heads that, that there was probably going to be like a mass societal death at any moment. So crouch under a Mm -hmm. desk and pray you're not one of the ones that burns to a crisp. Like that was, (laughs) Was, right, That was like an actual reality when you were in first, second, third grade, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. Like, Absolutely. When I was in elementary school, I remember that being very real. And by the time I graduated high school, it, we didn't sit there and think about nuclear bombs. Point being, like, we all have this, like, anybody raised at any stretch of the Cold War, especially. You just have this feeling of, like, death, 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 your whole childhood. But I don't know if it's because I turned 40 I don't know if it's strangely because I, you know, my son is around now. I find myself after a lifetime of being full of anxiety and fear specifically about death going, I'm okay with the fact that I will someday die. Like someday my heart's gonna stop beating, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of that now. I'm not looking forward to it. I hope I'm around for a long time, especially to see Cal grow up. I want to. I'm really excited to see who he is and who he becomes. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm gonna die someday, and that's okay. That's okay. Let's pause right there. I want to say I really mean it. I think I've left a lot of good conversations behind. I've tried to help more than I hurt. And if I pass away, don't cry, don't cry too hard for me, guys. Just uh, be nice to my son if you ever cross paths with him. We'll be right back. Thanks to all the advertisers. You are the reason the show gets to continue and exist after all these years. Now let's finish off the phone call. I'm going to die someday, and that's okay. That's okay.
1: Yeah, that's great. There's there's plenty of other things to be anxious about, you know, and dying, <laughs> that's nothing that you can do anything about. You yeah. know, when it happens, it's going to happen, however it happens. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's pretty healthy. Good for you.
0: Well, I love Good what you... Good
1: for you. Yeah, I'm not really scared of dying myself. Um, I'm a Buddhist, and so I believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, my mom does not. My mom, I, I asked her, uh, you know, what, what, what do you think happens? And she's, she's, my mother is the most logical, practical person. And she said, you know, I'm going to take the science route. And she said, and when my body is dead, I am dead. That's it. She said, now on the off chance that there's some, somewhere else, you know, there's a couple of people I would love to see and be reunited with. So, yeah, she's just super practical. She's going to even have a, a green burial.
0: What's that entail?
1: It's tale? So it's, it's definitely different. There's a couple of different ways. So originally what she was looking at is being buried with um, where you're buried with, in the root ball of a tree. But they would have to cremate you first and then they put your ashes in the root ball and then plant the tree. So that's kind of cool. But she didn't want to be cremated. So what she wanted was basically to not have a casket, not have her body uh, prepared, you know, with whatever they do with the formaldehyde and things like that. So basically, she wants to be put into a hole in the ground, you know, in specific clothing that she wants to wear, but that's it. And then you put all the dirt on and the body naturally decomposes. Wow. I know. So they have whole cemeteries that that provide this service. And basically, you know, they'll take care of, of your um of your area for ninety-nine years. And then after ninety-nine years, I don't know if they plant somebody on, you know, put somebody on top of you or or what. But uh yeah, I thought that was pretty neat, you know, way to go natural, mom.
0: And do you still have a headstone for these ninety nine years? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah,
1: so we would put still a headstone. So, yeah, it's, it's marked and she's there. She knows she'll be there. But uh, yeah, she just won't be in a casket.
0: I kind of love that.
1: I kind of love that. The yeah, ev- I the... thought it was cool too. I think as long as you can keep the critters from digging you up, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm oh, good geez. with that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that's the reality of it. That's in conversations like this, there's sometimes those cold hard reality, right? Like splash of cold water in the face. It's like lo- yeah, as long uh-huh. as as long as the squirrels don't root around in there too much, I think it's a beautiful thing. Like that's right. What a reality. <laughs> now we've got about 15 minutes left. And this has ba- right? I, I I will tell you that even though we've talked about some you know, some of the harsh realities of life and death that I have had a really great time talking to you. I feel like we got a good vibe. And Agreed. With, well, with that in mind, I want to say, we've talked about your grandson. We've talked about your son. We've talked about your siblings. we talked about your mom. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I'd just love in our final 15 minutes to uh, when, you, when you exclude anybody else to know a little bit more about you.
1: Okay. Wow. My therapist says the same thing. She's always bringing me back. And how do you feel? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So good on you for catching my pattern there. Well, let's see. I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know what to, to say about myself. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm 47. I've been with my partner for 15 years. Um, we're not married, but we might as well be. Um, I have a little dog that I love, and let's see. I don't know. I just um, I think probably what I what I would most like to talk about for me anyway is just how hard this whole life transition has been in changing my job. And, you know, usually everybody comes to me for everything. You know, I used to have lines outside of my office door um, on a regular basis. And so kind of getting used to only one person now, my grandson coming to me for things. Um you know in my in my younger life i had a lot of chaos um and much of it was you know just brought on by me as a teenager and not having the tools i needed to deal with life um and but that became a pattern for me and um chaos has led me down a lot of negative roads and as an adult um as i have stabilized in my life over the last 25 or so years Um, I have to, as things stabilize and they get calm, I get kind of antsy and I feel Mm. like stuff needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, it's not, it's not a, a conscious thought, um, as much as a subconscious thought anymore. Um, but you know, and then I would do things to potentially sabotage.
0: You and I are um, similar in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's been my life lesson for the last 10 years or so. Is learning how to be comfortable without the chaos and recognizing, like when I'm going to start potentially, I think about acting out in some way, and then realizing, hey, it's because things are nice and calm right now, and I need to learn to sit in that. Um, that was a lesson that I learned, gosh, probably eight years ago. I'm actually um, a recovering addict.
0: Oh wow! Um,
1: and yeah, <laughs> um, I was a, I was addicted to cocaine um so bad bad very expensive habit um i have i've been clean since 2013 um but that was something that i learned in treatment was that you know that proclivity towards chaos and needing it and and being uncomfortable with with just calm and quiet so i've been having to really focus on that the last couple of months Um, you know, making sure, I mean, not that I don't need, you know, not that I need chaos now with my mom being sick and things like that, but really just settling down and and being comfortable with the quiet and being comfortable with the fact that everybody doesn't need me because I'm finding that was kind of part of my, um, part of how I saw myself, you know, as, as yes, yes, I'm important because people need me and now all those people don't need me anymore. Only one person does.
0: I you know? can't tell you how much you are describing the exact mental struggle I've been having for the past couple of years.
1: It, you really? Just,
0: well, because I had the same thing. Not a cocaine addiction, which by the way, I've never tried cocaine. I hear.
1: Oh, don't do it.
0: I hear it's one of don't those things. that love it. I hear. I was just gonna say. I hear it's a hell of a fun time until it isn't. I hear it's one of those mm-hmm. drugs now, but I did. I mean, I had my depression, and I, I and that led to a lot of yeah. chaos. And then, you know, I I tried to quit drinking a bunch of times before I finally did, and I just go, nope, I'm gonna have a weekend where I burn it down with the drinking. Let me go ahead in 2012. I'm gonna do a bunch of drugs and screw up this whole summer. And then I mm-hmm. I, I kind of learned, I think part of why I became an artist, because people will tell me, oh, I saw this old episode of your TV show where uh, you guys all built robot suits out of cardboard boxes and beat, actually beat each other up on camera on public X TV. And I go, oh, I found art that embraced chaos so that the chaos became positive instead of mm. it became productive. But now- yeah. Well, now my TV show's over and I don't have a staff of 70 people. And, and I love that that pressure's mm-hmm. gone, but I just kind of hang out in the suburbs now with my kid and I love that. But I also wonder who yeah. I am. I also wonder who I am with all that, without all that chaos and without all that responsibility. And I miss it. And
1: exactly. I, I
0: miss it so much and I also never want to do it again. I never want the pressure yeah. again. Oh my
1: God. I feel you 100%. Oh, yes.
0: It's that thing, right, where you're hanging out with your grandson and you're helping to teach him math and his grades are getting better and you're going, this is all I need in life. Mm -hmm. In the same way, I'll I'll go out in my yard in in this nice house I was able to buy. And in part, thanks to you, the beautiful anonymous supporters. Thank you for allowing me to have this career. And I play with my son in this yard and I go... I am at peace. And then I also yeah. go, but I have spent a solid 25, 30 years of my life thriving in a feeling of being completely unmoored. That's where I felt most comfortable. How do you mm-hmm. reconcile those things? How are you doing it? Because I'm, yeah. I'm doing a bad job of it. So how are you handling it?
1: You know, I'm just, I just have to sit with it on a regular basis. You know, I mean, when I, when, I mean, I have dreams. I've had a couple of dreams since I, since I haven't been working, you know, where it's just dreams like it was a typical work day, but I wake up and I feel so energized and I'm just like, yes, I was on, you know, I can rock it. I can still do it. Um, But, you know, really it's, it's the stress. It is the stress, you know, Um, I see people getting older before their time. Because of their jobs. It's that and I
0: you're right. I don't want
1: to be that person.
0: You're right. I don't want
1: to be that person.
0: It's uh it's the dark side. Right. I'm a capitalist. I've worked really hard and I've I've pulled myself up and I'm proud of that. And I've learned to stop apologizing for that. I had a friend of mine from Mm -hmm. from my hometown he visited me at my new house and I said, yeah, don't make fun. It's like way more bougie than we grew up. He went, dude, I've been watching you work harder than anyone I know for 20 years. Don't ever apologize for having a nicer house than you grew up in. I go, you're right. You're right. But, um, but I I forget where I was going with that. Oh, except to say, that's the dark side of capitalism, right? Is that we define ourselves yeah. through work as Americans and, Your job is who you are. And it's like, well, what if it isn't? And then people like me and you, I think, wind up sometimes going, I don't know. I honestly don't know who I am. I'm realizing at the age of 40, I, I I don't fully know who I am. What a weird thing to realize.
1: It is, but in a way, it's kind of exciting, too. It is. Because... Well, yeah, I mean, it is, and oh, no, so you, you can look at things and you can be, yeah, you can be afraid or you can embrace it and, and say, the world is open for me. What do I want to do?
0: It's almost funny because as you describe that, you could almost go ahead and say, entering the phase of your life where your schedule isn't locked down and you know where you're going to be. You wake up at seven in the morning and you know your whole schedule till nine at night and it's high octane, go, 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 accomplish everything, kick life's ass. The boringness, when you strip all that away, is perhaps the most undefined chaos you can have. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, in a certain sense, of la- now it's not—it's not blowing rails and selling houses like you're the wolf of goddamn Wall Street. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not that, but it's a different type of chaos that has so much more potential and probably a lot mm-hmm. more beauty and grace to it. Absolutely. You were, that, yeah, you were living that. You were living that Wall time. Street life, though. You were living that wolf life, huh?
1: Yeah. You yeah.
0: Were, you were howling so, at the and, goddamn and see, moon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, I I really thought that's what I wanted. I thought it was. I mean, I worked my entire career to get to where I was when I left, and uh, it's it's hard to get to that point in your career where you finally have made it. And realize that that isn't what you want anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I've been having this thing where I'm going, ah, I feel like I came so close to every dream I had as a kid. Like, I had a TV show, but nobody really watched it. Ah, I came so close, you know? Like, I've done all this First of all, I take a step back and objectively go, I... I accomplished a lot of things and I'm proud of them, but I have these moments where I go, mm-hmm. I came so close to all my dreams. But then I I tell you, I sit and think about who I really am deep down and I go, coming close, coming that close was kind of always my dream in a weird twisted way.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't think I ever wanted to conquer the world. I think I wanted to come really close and then slink back to New Jersey like I have. I think I always, I think... Well, coming, you did
1: get... Go
0: for it. Go
1: ahead. No, you, you, you. I was going to say, you did get to accomplish your dreams. It just may not have been... Uh, I mean, because you were even on, like, true TV. So that's cable. You know, that's I not, got not got necessarily where I needed to go. cable access. No, so, I grew. Yeah, I mean, you had a, a nationwide audience. So it was... <laughs> No, I know Not the most popular number one show on oh, Thursday night, but that's it, okay.
0: Listen, in fact, it was- Because you uh, got
1: to have your TV show. It, yeah. was, it was
0: the lowest rated show on true TV at the time and impossibly ever is my understanding. <laughs> and I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's well, yeah. the legacy. I'd rather, I'm, I'm sick in the head where I'm like, I'd rather have that be on my headstone. When you throw me in the ground and let the let the critters crawl down to me, I'm like, "That's what I want." Lowest rated show in the history of true TV. That's how you sell out, mm-hmm. but maintain. And I'm like, messed up in the head. Anyway, I'm making it about me. You're a fascinating <laughs> person.
1: You've lived a lot of life. You've lived a lot of life. Oh goodness, this isn't even half of it.
0: Give me some bullet points of the things we didn't get to hear <laughs> for the follow up.
1: Uh, let's see. Um i when i I was brought up upper middle class uh when I got out of high school, I became homeless wow uh, on the streets in a major metropolitan city. I was homeless for a couple of months um and that was probably one of the more pivotal points in my life um, I would imagine once that happened and I came out of it um you know i I had no more fears I didn't ever feel like I couldn't do something or Uh, was weak in any kind of way. It's like, it doesn't matter what life throws at me at this point because I I handled that and I can handle anything now, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. where before I just didn't have the life experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Bullet points. Uh, Moved across the country 20 years ago, sight unseen. I was going to marry my childhood sweetheart. When I got here, he told me he was gay. So we didn't get married.
0: Well, that's that I ended a that's up phone here. Call. That could have been a full hour. Yeah, totally. It could have been a full hour. Totally.
1: We're still friends, you know. I mean, I've known him since I was twelve, and yeah. we're still in touch. So um, he's he's one of my people for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, moving up to the moving to the West Coast was probably the best thing I ever did. Um, I love it here. Uh, it's where I met my partner. Uh, like I said, we've been together for fifteen years. We met on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. back when it was still kind of taboo before Tinder and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually met as a booty call
0: mm-hmm. and ended up
1: falling in love.
0: love so that's that. kind of fun. Love that. <laughs> love that. That's a hell yeah, of a booty call. Absolutely. That night went oh, well. Indeed. That indeed. night went well. But yeah, it did. If you have a booty call so good that you go, you know what, we have chemistry that's going to last 15 years. It's a hell of a booty uh-huh. call. Hell of a booty call right there. Indeed. <laughs> well done. God bless yep, both of so you.
1: He's the best thing in my life. So he has he has just been amazing in every respect. So I'm very lucky to have him. So yeah, I don't know what else in terms of bullet points. Um, how much, we probably don't have much time left, do we? We
0: have uh, exactly one minute as this sentence I'm saying oh, ends.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. So, what do I want to leave for my closing thoughts? Um, goodness, I should have prepared something for this as many times as I thought of calling. No, you live in the chaos. This is your moment to embrace the chaos. I do live in the chaos. That's true. I do live in the chaos. And when you live in the chaos, it's hard to make things, make things come out, you know, look sane. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. that I think flexibility and open-mindedness is the key. I'm going to keep working on, you know, trying to be present and not uh, desiring to be everything to everybody because that's not really where I'm happy.
0: That's a hell of a closing not thought. Not really where I'm happy. It's a hell of a oh, closing thanks. thought. I I feel so lucky I got to talk to you today.
1: Agreed. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, Chris. caller thank
0: you so much um i did not get a chance to say in our closing minutes i planned on slipping this in at the end um much love to you and also your mother i know that you're heading towards something really hard i'm so happy to hear she's at peace and i wish you and your siblings nothing but love i hope everybody resolves everything they need to and i hope that it is a uh as simple and, and careful processes that can be knowing that it's never any of those things. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Shellshag for the music. If you want to know more about me, chrisgeth.com is the place. Hey, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, hit follow on Spotify, hit favorite on Stitcher. It helps so much when you do. If you want our entire back catalog without ads, go to stitcherpremium.com stories. For more details, I'll talk to you next time.